This is the Ballroom State of Mind podcast, episode 84, Build Your Confidence Bank. Welcome to the Ballroom State of Mind podcast. My name is Amber Hader, and I am your host. I'm a pro-am ballroom dancer and a mindset coach. If you are a dancer who has been tirelessly working on your technique and your performance, and you need just a little help with your mindset, then you are in the right place. Let's go. Oh, my friends, it's good to be back. I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't release a podcast last week. I was so, so sick and I'm mostly better. I have a little bit of a cough hanging on, which hopefully doesn't pop up during this podcast. Um, But I had what was basically kind of flu-like. And the bad news (laughs) too is that um, I'd been sick a few days, like literally in bed for like three days. And then we had a big ice and snowstorm that's been going on for the last couple of days. And so I am so stir crazy. <laughs> I'm so tired of being home. And I even was thinking to myself, I have all this time, you know, I'm sick. I like had to cancel clients and move them around and cancel so many things. And so I had all this basically kind of free time. So I, you know, kept telling myself I should get some stuff done and I should get a podcast done, but my brain would not work. And even when I would try to think about things and try to work on things, I like literally couldn't. And so it's been kind of crappy actually to just sit around for like five or six or seven days, but I'm ready to be back and I'm ready to bring this podcast to you. Um, This one is about building your confidence bank and Confidence is something obviously that we all want. And I've talked about it on the podcast before in a couple of different ways and formats. And it's something that comes up with clients all the time. What I want to offer to you today is about building a confidence bank. And actually the way I tend to think about this is um, I call it building a highlight reel. And I have an app literally on my phone. I use my notes app. Although science says that if you use a pen and paper, it's actually better and it commits it to memory better. But I like the accessibility of my notes app that it's like right there and that I can access at any time. And I will make notes in there about all the successes and all the things that go well. When I get things even from you guys about how the podcast is helping you or people send me messages, I'll screenshot those messages and put them in my highlight reel and just build this bank of good things, good experiences, things that I'm proud of. And I have this place where I can go back and look and reflect when I need a little bit of a confidence boost. And I need a little bit of a reprieve from my own kind of negative mindset when it pops up. So one place that this came from was I had seen something somewhere as we do on the internet, and it had talked about self-belief and self-doubt. And it was talking about how do you build self-belief? How do you build confidence? And the response, whoever it was said, why do you continually rehearse your unbelief? Why do you continually rehearse the things that erode your confidence? And this is so true. There's, there's two processes here, right? There's building your confidence, but there's also like, let's not pull ourselves down. Let's not break ourselves down. Because even if we weren't that great at building our confidence, if we could just stop tearing ourselves down and stop eroding our confidence so much, we would be in an even better position, even if we never built the confidence bank. But I want you to build the confidence bank. I'm going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you why. As a fully functioning human being, as we've talked about on this podcast, probably many times, we all have 
a built-in filter in our minds. And you have the ability to take in so much information. In order to not get overwhelmed, your brain has a system to filter that information, to eliminate what's not necessary, to eliminate what's not relevant, and bring to your consciousness what is relevant, that which we do want to pay attention to. And that filter is called the reticular activating system. Okay. And it does a lot of things, but its primary purpose is involved in consciousness and attention and filtering. And it helps us to filter what's incoming so that we don't get overwhelmed by all of the stimulus, by all the stimuli. So you already have this filter in place and you use it all the time. So let me just point out sometimes that you're probably using it. Have you noticed that when you go to the grocery store that, and you have this list in mind that there's whole areas of the store that you don't even go into. I noticed this the other day when I went to the store, I was paying attention and I was like, you know, I never go down that aisle like ever. There's nothing that I get at this store that's down that aisle. And so I never go down that aisle. And when you go to the grocery store, your brain has a list of things and it's only paying attention to those things. It's only going down the aisles that you need to go down and you know where those things are. You probably have certain things that you like to buy and you know where those things are in a certain area. If you go to the produce area, you have certain produce that you like to buy and you know what bins those are in. And if I asked you what are in those other bins, you probably couldn't tell me because your brain's not paying attention to it. It's not looking over there and it only pays attention to what it needs to pay attention to. When you're driving, you're constantly filtering, right? You can't look at all the people walking down the street and look at all the businesses and, you know, their open signs or their closed signs or what's happening on all the sides of the road when you have to be paying attention to, is the light about to change? Is the car in front of me about to slow down? or the conversation that's happening in your car. Sometimes my kids are having conversations in the car. I'm not listening to it at all. I don't even know what they're talking about because my reticular activating system is paying attention to what's relevant and it's discarding what's not relevant. And the funny thing about this part of our mind is that when you think a thought like, "Mm, that person doesn't like me, your reticular activating system or your RAS starts to look for the proof. So Where are the instances where that person looked at me sideways or they didn't respond to my text or we went to that place and they sat down by someone else instead of me. And your RAS filters that out as relevant and uses it as proof for what you're looking for. And so those things that you've just identified as proof aren't even necessarily proof. That person sitting next to somebody else doesn't mean that they don't like you, but you have filtered it out and gave it that meaning. That same person might have answered a question that you asked them or sat next to you at a different time or said hello when you walked in the room, but because your brain is only looking for certain things, it's disregarding that might not even be noticing that. Or if you do notice it, it's like, well, yeah, but that one doesn't count because, because that's not the, it's not the evidence that we're looking for. And it's not, um, the proof that we're looking for with the thoughts that we have. You do the same thing with your dancing when you're practicing. When you're doing lessons, when you're competing, your RAS is also filtering out information and it's choosing to pay attention to some things and it's disregarding others. And it does this automatically, whether you tell it to or not, but you also have the ability to control this. You also have the ability to tell it what to look for. 
And when we're not telling it what to look for and we're not doing it intentionally, it does it on default. And many of us think about our lesson and we walk away and we focus on the skill we couldn't get. We focus on the moment that we couldn't get it and we got frustrated and we just wanted to scream or cry or we might have had four really good rounds at a competition, let's say. But then you think about and fixate on the one round that didn't go as well. Like you, your brain will like pick out the worst one and be like, yeah, I know there were some good rounds, but that one, I did this, I did that, I forgot, I stepped on this, my teacher got disappointed with me and then I, I didn't do that one move and then I got lost and we focus on what didn't go well and we disregard what did go well. So we might've had some really strong moments, but we focus on that one moment in the rumba where I totally skipped that move. I don't even know why. And I lost my place and I couldn't recover. And we replay those hiccups again and again in our minds. And we focus on what didn't go well and the things that we don't want. And so we're focusing on our unbelief. We're focusing on the things that we don't like. We're focusing on our lack. We're, fo- we're in that subtractive thinking that we've talked about before. We over-focus on the problems and then we rehearse what we lack. And then we wonder why I don't feel confident. Jeez, what a mystery. <laughs> now, listen, don't worry too much about the fact that your brain does this. This is what a normal brain does. It's negatively biased. It prefers the negative and it prefers to point out problems. This is fine. Don't get further stuck in this by saying something like, I can't believe I'm so negative. I don't know why I can't stop focusing on the negative. Your brain prefers to be negative. Okay, full stop. It's fine. Don't make that a bigger deal than it is. It's helpful. It's helpful to your survival. It has good reasons it does that. So expect that you will see things negatively. You will be tempted to focus on problems. You will be tempted to indulge that and focus on the negative disproportionately to the positive. That being your more default state just means that your brain will do that with little effort. You don't have to look for the negative. You don't have to point your brain to the negative. It will do that automatically. But for you to feel better, for you to feel more energized, optimistic, and enthusiastic, you will need to point yourself in that direction. You'll need to more intentionally and purposely choose mindsets that create that kind of positive, forward-moving energy. And it's also how you can build more confidence. Okay. And we all want this good feel. I was just talking to a client yesterday and we went through this whole process. And in the end, it was like, what do we want to see change? And she said, I just want to feel better. I just want to feel better about my dancing. And I'm like, yeah, the way that we feel better is that we feel that positive, forward moving, optimistic, energized kind of state. Okay. And so I'm going to teach you how to get into that state more of the time. And it has everything to do with your reticular activating system. It has everything to do with what you are paying attention to and the proportion that you are paying attention to. You're always going to think negatively, my friends, but let's just think positively more of the time. So I'm going to give you some concrete stuff to help you do this. Okay. Notice how, when you pay attention to what you lack and how you are falling short, that you messed up on that choreography and that you aren't picking up that skill as fast as you want. Notice how that leads you 
to feeling bad about yourself. Notice how reminding yourself of mistakes and that thing that you said that you didn't mean, and then and then you project that into the future and you worry about repeating that and having it happen again and that you don't want that to happen. Notice how that doesn't inspire confidence. So we need to reverse engineer this. If me thinking this way and having this kind of mindset leads to a little bit of a lack of confidence, leads to a little bit of an erosion of my self-belief, then I need to do the opposite. So notice, first, we insist on pointing out our shortcomings. We beat ourselves up for mistakes. We minimize or neglect to celebrate our successes because, you know, we can't be arrogant. But then we wonder why we don't feel strong and we wonder why we don't feel confident and we wonder why we're struggling to maintain our self-belief. And it just, it doesn't make sense, my friends. So in order to build your confidence bank, you need to start counting your successes. So like I said, I call this my highlight reel and I keep literal track of what's going well. The moments that I'm proud of or even just liking how I showed up. So what kind of data are you collecting to help you build your confidence? Not everything that you collect is going to be a literal win, but I do want to start with that because I think sometimes it's easier for our brain to go to like these big moments. Okay. So to start with, do a top 10, you're going to write out a type, a top 10. And I do want you, if you can write this out with a pen and paper, because science shows It commits to memory better. There's just something that happens when we take the time to do that. And that brain, body, hand connection, there's something about that. So whenever possible, write out your top 10 moments that make you feel good about yourself. Now, this can be dance related in our case, obviously, but this is a habit I don't want you to limit to your dancing. And if you don't think you have a top 10, you're like, okay, I might have like two, then I want you to consider that you're not looking closely enough and you probably have not been trying to mine your life for all of the ways in which you're proud of yourself for showing up. And so I guarantee you, you have to, I guarantee you, not only do you have 10, you have hundreds, okay? If you're willing to look and I'm gonna help you do that. If it was gonna be me and I was gonna do my top 10 and I'm gonna mostly focus on dance here is I might include the very first competition I ever did in 2019. This is the holiday dance classic. And this is what I would write, 2019. Holiday Dance Classic, first comp, and I won the bronze championship, the closed bronze championship for the B category, let's say. And I would write that down. And then I might write down when um, I got second place at the world championships at, I think it was embassy, in my second year. And I was dancing bronze still, and I got second in the world. That's amazing. Okay. And then of course, there's the Ohio Star Ball, which I won closed, closed bronze, closed silver, closed gold. Um, actually, I even won an open bronze and an open silver there too. I would write those down. Okay. This last year I had two, I was on two national rankings. Won the World Dance Wart series for the multi-dances for rhythm for men and women, first place. Okay. And then also um, the national ranking system through the, the NDCA premier system. This is their first year doing that. And I ranked first Pro-Am Rhythm Ladies A, I think is what it was, okay? So I would write those down. But then I would also include 
the Grand Prix at the Envy Ball and the Mambo Championship at USDC that I entered this year. There were not wins, not even close to wins, but they were probably the hardest two things that I did this year. And I'm super proud of myself for not backing down. So I would, and, and being willing to do the hard things and challenge myself in that way. So I would totally write those things down. Okay. So do that. Build your top 10. If you're struggling to find things for your top 10, I'm going to give you three categories that you can use to help find these. And I don't know if I've brought this up with you before or not. So if I have, forgive me, I repeat myself a lot. It's fine. Um, But this will help you find things. And these are the categories that I want you to use ongoing to help you build your confidence bank, to help you find things all along the way that you can add to your confidence bank. There are three areas that you're going to use as a guide that can help you build this top 10. But again, we're going to keep doing it. And this actually comes from the book, The Confident Mind. This is a book I'm perusing. I'm kind of in and out of it. It's it's great. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, I'm sure there will be a lot more that I bring to the podcast from this book. If you want to read it, go get it. The Confident Mind. I'll link it in the show notes, but it's by Dr. Nate Zinzer. And he talks about this. And he abbreviates it ESP. Okay, so the first one is E, and this stands for your efforts. What are the moments that stand out in your mind where you are happy with your effort? This is like, for me, the Grand Prix at the Envy Ball and the Mambo Championship, where my effort felt like a lot. It felt like hard work, especially the effort that my nervous system had to make to get through it. But also consider other times from your past that weren't as quote unquote big. Like when I went to that boot camp and I showed up for the smooth camp, even though I don't really dance or compete in smooth, and I gave my whole effort for those few hours despite my inexperience. And even in a single drill where I had to stretch and the the figures were beyond me a little bit and I just kept going rather than stepping off the floor for those last three reps because I was feeling sheepish or feeling behind or embarrassed about my weaknesses. Or what about that showcase that you felt really insecure about it, but you put in extra practices, you put in extra hours, you did extra lessons and you gave it your all, even though it didn't even really go that smoothly or how you kept going in that performance when there were technical difficulties with the audio. And then you had to start over in front of everybody and you lost some momentum, but you kept going and you can mine your past for those moments of effort. Okay. And put them in your confidence bank, put them in your highlight reel. Now the past you're going to go into your past and find those moments. And they can be years ago. The past could be last week. The past could be yesterday. And even just minutes ago when you were going through that drill and you were working on your arm styling and you maintained your effort through that whole section, that whole practice. Okay. So efforts, I think, I think we're pretty good at identifying when things took effort. Okay. This might be a short amount of effort. It might be long-term effort. You decide, put those in your confidence bank. Now the S, the S is for successes. And these are a lot of times easier to identify when we're considering it a win, but successes can be anything that you define as a success. You get to define what that is. So when my clients report back to me after they've just had a competition and they tell me for the first time, 
that they didn't feel like they were going to have a meltdown. That's a success. When they tell me they had fun for the first time at a competition, rather than being a stressed out basket case, that's a success. When you're working on your choreography piece by piece, you're watching that video and you're going back over it and you're learning each section because you want to have it memorized and you want to be able to do it without the cue from your partner, without the assistance of your partner. And then you're able to dance pretty much all of it on your own, except for maybe those little moments where you do actually really need them to execute the move. That's a success. Doing your medals exam and finally passing into the next level and getting high marks. That's a success. Okay. Being petrified of a showcase, but carrying it out. Anyways, success. If you're struggling with body positivity and then you're wearing a costume that triggers your nervous system, but you work through it and you, you do it again and you wear it again and again until you make peace with it, until you make peace with your shape and the way that you look in it, that is a success. Okay. What successes can you mine from your past and add to that top 10, but also just add to your ongoing highlight reel? What successes can you identify in real time when you're at a rounds practice and you're doing reps, pick out one of those rounds. And one of the best ways to do this is when you're in a transition, like if you've just done a set of rounds and we're transitioning out, let's say we're taking a little break, we go get a drink of water or we're at a boot camp and we are, or, or a lesson or something, and we're shifting gears and we're stopping one thing and starting another, those transition moments are a good time to just take a quick little immediate stock, just a quick little immediate accounting. So let's say you've just done rounds and we're in a transition moment and I want you to pick one of those rounds that was the best one. Instead of going back and picking the round that was the worst, focusing on that, take those four rounds, think to yourself, which one of those was the best one? And then I want you to make a mental and or literal physical note of it at some point and add it to your highlight reel. And it would look like this. January 16th, rounds practice. Round number four, I held my posture for nearly the whole round. And I actually felt like I was dancing rather than just doing steps. And I felt so good in my body actually. And I even had moments of emotional expression on my face that were pretty fun and felt pretty natural. I didn't even have to work that hard at it. And write that down. That's a success. Now, the P is for progress. So the third category that you can add to your highlight reel are those moments of progress. And these are often found when looking back. But oftentimes I also notice them in the moment because I'm able to look back at a post moment and go, oh my gosh, I remember when I thought X and now I'm in this moment in the present and that's not a challenge anymore. So you're going to look back and think about how far you've come. The other day I had this moment where I was remembering we, for whatever reason in my mind, three-step turns were like my nemesis in the beginning, right? Three-step turns, spiral turns, then being able to like maintain your balance when you're doing these turns. And when you're a bronze student and you're learning how to do these turns, you might be constantly falling out of them. You're not sure how to hold your center. You're not like coming out of the turn in the position that you want to be in. And I remember having a moment where I was like, I'm never, I'm never going to get this. Like, I'm never, like, I will never get this. Like I'll never be able to do spiral turns, let's say. And I remember having that moment. And then recently 
we were working on some turns and I was realizing they're still not perfect. I'm still working on them. I'm still developing them, but I don't think about it like that, like I used to. And I don't ever think I'm never going to get this. And I have a lot more moments where I'm not falling out of the turn and it's, it's not as much of a problem. And my balance is better. And I had that moment of realization of like, oh my gosh, I've gotten so much better at these. Like they're not as bad as they used to be. Like I am progressing. Okay. That's progress. And this can be quite specific when you bring your attention to that moment, when you worked on a drill a bunch of times, for example, and your arm styling became so much more fluid in the midst of that drill. It's like, oh, this becomes more fluid and it feels more automatic. And I don't have to think about it as much. And I can just kind of dance it. That is a moment of progress. Now, what you're asking your reticular activating system and your brain to do is purposefully look for efforts, successes, and progress. And we're going to do it consciously and we're going to recount it. You're going to give it attention. You're going to make it a bigger deal than you have in the past. And you're going to give yourself credit where credit is due. You probably have a habit of dismissing it. You have a habit of ignoring it. You have a habit of not giving it the attention it deserves. And so we are going to change that. And we're going to use this confidence bank to help usher you into the future. Because what you also do is when you guys look into the future, almost always, especially if you're looking forward to a competition or a showcase, almost every time I'm talking to you, when you're looking into the future, you're catastrophizing, you're worrying, you're rehearsing doomsday, okay? Of all the things that are going to go wrong. And we're not going to do that anymore because we're building this confidence bank. We're building this highlight reel so that when you're thinking about the future and you're thinking about that competition that you're going to go into, you're thinking about that showcase, you're thinking about that performance, that you have lots and lots of evidence of how great you are. You have lots of evidence of all of this time that you worked really hard with your effort and all of this evidence of all of your successes and all of this evidence of your progress. And you're going to take that with you into the future. And we're going to rehearse that. And when you want to visualize something, Instead of visualizing doomsday, you're going to visualize that one round that was like so great where I was able to express myself and I wasn't just doing st- like we're going to have the highlight reel that we can access to purposefully visualize something good. So you're going to use your imagination for good instead of doomsday. And you're going to use that confidence bank to help propel you into the future. It's going to remind you all of those things. It's going to remind you that that's who you are. You're not what you're not. You're not what you're missing. You're not what you're lacking. You're not your weaknesses. That is not who you are. That's what you're not. But what you are is this big, full confidence bank with lots of effort and success and progress. And those deposits are evidence of what you're capable of. And so when you think about them and you rehearse them, and you think about repeating them in the future, you're going to generate confidence. You're going to generate energy. You're going to generate optimism and enthusiasm. And being in that kind of a state creates forward momentum. It creates motivation. And those are very useful in practicing, in growing, 
in developing and creating what you want to create. And there's going to be a little part of you that's like, but I really feel like what we're supposed to do is focus on our shortcomings. And I just, I really want to push back on that. I really want to push back on that idea that we have to focus on what's wrong to get better. Listen, there's always going to be things that you want to work on. There's always going to be skills that you want to improve and that you want to develop. There's always going to be times that things don't go the way that you want. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be times that you forget things. There's going to be times that you're in a high pressure situation and your brain is just going to go blank. Okay. And the mind is very powerful. And there's very many psychological studies that show that what you think about will continue. What you think about, you will perpetuate. So do not spend the majority of your brain juice thinking about what's wrong, what could go wrong, what's lacking and why you aren't good enough. It's just not as useful as you think it is. Not even a little bit. And in fact, it's a direct contradiction to what you want to create and who you want to be as a dancer. You want confidence. You want to believe in yourself and you want to know what you're capable of and you want to carry that into the future. So you've got to focus on that. And trust me, your teachers, your coaches, they know where to point your training. They know where your deficiencies are. They know what to do to get the best out of you. And so let them focus on that part and you focus on what's going well. And you focus on the times that you made good decisions and you focus on the times that you maintained your effort and you had success and you made progress. And so that you will have plenty of positive feeling emotions that you can apply to the work that you need to do to keep developing. So I'm not saying that by focusing on this, we're not, we're going to pretend like there's nothing that we need to work on. Of course, there's things that we need to work on, but working on that will be so much more effective when you feel good about yourself and you feel good about your capabilities. You feel good about what you can do moving forward. So stop rehearsing and predicting the negative and switch your focus to building your confidence bank instead of persistently taking yourself down a notch. All right. Okay. That's what I have for you today, my friends. If you haven't, please go join Joyful Ballroom. We have more than 600 members now. And it's just a great little community that I'm building and I want you to be a part of it. So go join that. Uh, I'll, I always link it in the show notes. And if you want help with anything, you guys, I offer a free dance strategy call. It's free. It's 30 minutes. You bring what you want help with. I help you with it. And, and I talk about also, if you want to know, I, I talk to you also about what help is available in the future to help you overcome a lot of the stuff that you just haven't been able to overcome on your own. I know this podcast is super helpful. People message me about it all the time and I know it's helpful, but working with a coach one-on-one is next level progress, speaking of progress, and it happens in a very short amount of time. Like I had a client the other day and we had planned to do three sessions. She had bought the holiday sessions and she had three sessions and she had kind of booked them close together. And after our first session, she said, I did not think we were going to accomplish as much as we did today. I thought it was going to take at least all three sessions to overcome what I wanted to talk to you about. And we did it in one session, (laughs) you guys. So just trust me on this book, a dance strategy call. I link that in the show notes too. Um, You can also probably find information about that on my website, but 
let me help you. Let me help you. I want to help you just have the best time in your dancing, help you progress faster, reduce all of your anxiety and stress, help you enjoy dancing again and become the best dancer that you can be, which is I know what you want. All right. That's what I have for you today. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Do you have a mindset coach yet? If you don't, you really need to think about it because all of the best dancers, all of the best athletes have coaches. And it's not because they're weak, it's because they're smart. If you have things relative to your dancing that you have not been able to overcome on your own, I highly recommend you get on a dance strategy call with me. It's free, it's quick, and I'm going to give you strategies right away to implement on the things that are affecting you the most. You will be shocked at how quickly you can overcome some of these issues that have plagued you for, if not months, even years. So I will put information in the show notes about how to get on one of those calls, or you can always go to amberhater.com for more information. And don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode.